Hello and welcome to Calder's Calling. We are AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. I'm Jay Foster. I'm joined this week by Dina Weinheimer and Xander Manning as we break down the good, the bad and the really weird from the last week of the AHL's play. Before we kick things off, I want to remind you all that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, also on YouTube. So feel free to like and subscribe so you can get every episode straight into your feed. I also want to thank our show sponsor before we get started. Document Doctors, while not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out documentdoctorsllc.com and don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. So we're going to start off on kind of a, a somber tone here at Calder's Calling, which we don't do a lot, um, but it came out or it happened over the weekend. Um, former AHL player for the uh, works Bus Grand Penguins, uh, Adam Johnson, uh, passed away due to an accident on the ice in a game over here in England. Um, just a really nasty freak accident. Um, we're going to talk about some of the things that kind of go after, like what happens next. Um, with with Johnson and his injury, but we just wanted to kind of give a give a shout out to kind of his memory. Um, a lot of AHL teams and NHL teams have done really nice tributes to him this week, and uh, just a really really sad sad story. Um, that sometimes it sometimes it really sucks to to be a hockey fan, you know. Um, just a real tough a real tough thing to wake up to on uh, on Sunday morning. Absolutely. And I also just wanted to express my sincere condolences to everyone that loved him, whether it's his um, family, his fiance, friends, teammates, people that worked around the team's media that covered him. Um, I know it's difficult for everyone. Um, so I just hope that in time they find peace um, and are able to to carry on. But I've talked to several people that covered him during his time in Wilkes-Barre and they all basically said the same thing and just how wonderful of a person Adam Johnson really was. And I was honestly touched by um, what the, the Ontario rain did in his uh, memory. They recently had a home game. He did spend some time out in California with the Ontario rain and they made him the number one star of that game. They placed a stool out on the ice and players that played with him um, in the past all skated out. One of the players draped his Jersey over the, uh, over the, the stool on the ice and they all just patted or fist bumped the Jersey and skated off. And, uh, that tribute definitely i i won't lie i cried it was extremely touching i'm not gonna lie to you almost I'm, I'm almost tearing up just thinking about that and just the visual that you painted there i mean and again just a tough loss for hockey fans everywhere whether you watched him play whether you heard about what happened or god forbid you saw the video of what happened um it's it's a rough one to think about and even just I, I want to just take a moment here to just to commend the AHL and some teams, specifically the Wilkes-Barre Penguins and the Wheeling Nailers, just saying, all right, you know what, enough is enough. You're going to be wearing protection from here on out and mandating it for all their players. And just the swift action that they made for this. And a lot of other leagues, maybe just an example, the NFL maybe would look at it and maybe not 
they'd have to examine the issues a little bit quicker, but the AHL just said, you know what, that's it. Happened to one person, that's enough for us. Yeah, and that's a nice teaser for what we're going to get into later on. But I am going to go ahead and put in the show notes because I know this is very hard for everybody. Um, so I will be listing a few resources in the UK, Canada, and the US. Um, if you are struggling and just need a little bit of, of, of help, um, please don't be afraid to take some time away from social media. Even I've seen a lot of people do that just because they don't want to potentially run into the video or there's just different discussions around this that are really negatively affecting them. So Please, everyone, do what you need to do to stay mentally safe. Um, but, yeah, definitely all of our thoughts are going out to everyone who loved Adam. And it's just – it's gosh, it's just so tragic. Yeah. I want to give a quick a quick shout-out – or not a shout-out necessarily, but um, the player whose skate it was, I want to, you know, just offer – thoughts condolences to him because i can only imagine kind of what he's been going through the past five days or so um i know he's been getting a lot of abuse on social media um and i have seen a lot of i've seen a lot of really really horrible things so i'm thinking of of him as well as you know adam's friends family teammates um anyone who was there there's not really a good way to uh segue out of out of something like that wow. um but we are gonna we are gonna move on and we're gonna check in with our power rankings real quick um whose stocks are up whose stocks are down um some players uh, some teams had really surprising results a couple of weeks ago and uh, now we are what a month into the season ish three three and a half weeks um so i figure we're probably starting to get a little bit more of an idea of where these players are uh, or where these teams are in terms of the standings. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with um, Coachella, who after an extremely strong weekend against the Barracuda, have gone from near the bottom of the league to ninth in the league. Um, they have dragged themselves all the way up to I think fifth in the Pacific Division when they were tenth previously so a real real strong weekend for a team that i believe was didn't have a win the last time we did power rankings um in terms of other uh, people who've dropped uh the goals after having a really strong opening weekend have again kind of reverted to type they're currently two and four they are 30th in the league so it could be another season of, of doom and gloom over in San Diego. But like, I'm, I'm kind of biased because I'm obviously more focused on the Pacific division, but uh, I'm curious to know what people's thoughts are in terms of the other divisions. But those were the two teams that kind of really stood out to me um, as I was kind of looking at where the standings were and where they are now. So one team that stuck out to me, I'm going to stick to my team here is the Springfield Thunderbirds. They, did not have the best start to the season, to say the least. But they they dominated this past weekend. They only allowed six goals in three games. And that may not sound like much, but the weekend before, they allowed six goals in the first five periods. And that they won three in a row this weekend. When, and to me, that was a bit impressive. Um, one team that has disappointed me, at least from a depth perspective, is the Providence Bruins. I was expecting them to be a lot better this year, especially the way their goaltending situation is set up um, and how 
really a lot of their roster is NHL ready, but they're right now they sit. If I'm looking at this, yep, they they sit seventh in the Atlantic Division, one three and one this season so far, and I really did not expect them to start the way they are. So I'm going to kind of just look around since Jay talked about the Pacific. Um, Xander kind of touched on the Atlantic. I'm going to look at the Central and the North because, you know, I want to get as many teams talked about as we possibly can. Um, so I'm going to start with the Central Division. I'm going to go west to east for a change. But one team that has returned to life since we last looked at this are the Texas Stars. Um, they are currently on, as of the time of recording, I believe by the time we go out, um, they're not going to be playing, but they are on a 3-0-1 and 1 streak. Um, where they were, you know, they came out losing two. Like, okay, well, they're starting to come back into the Texas Stars that a lot of us are more familiar with. Okay, another team we're going to look at here in the Central Division are the Rockford Ice Hogs. Now, they had a lackluster start, you know, one. Two and oh, I believe, but now they're on a two game win streak. Their stock's starting to come up a little bit. Um, I could bring up the Chicago Wolves, but you know what? I'm going to bring up the Chicago Wolves. Um, they had a terrible, they had a terrible start and they're definitely moving down in the power rankings. Uh, currently they have a record of one, three, one and one on a streak of oh, two, oh, and one. Mm, not ideal. Moving into the North Division, uh, stock moving up. I'm going to stick with my beat team, the Cleveland Monsters, currently on a three-game win streak. They had a, uh, they kind of stumbled out the gate a little bit, but you know now they're on that three-game win streak, bringing them to a four-two and O record. Moving down in the North Division are going to be the Utica Comets. Um, it's I'm so used to a Utica Comets team. I just a few seasons ago had that massive league wide record to start wins for the season at what 13, 15, something like that. Uh now they're currently one, two, two and oh. And well, special shout out again to the Rochester Americans and the Toronto Marlies cur- currently leading the division, both on three game win streaks. Um, with Toronto having a one game overtime loss smudged in there somewhere. So those are the rankings in the central and the north. I want to continue on with the north for a second um, because there's a team in there that just makes no sense as to why, why they are where they are. I don't understand how the Laval Rocket only have one win so far this season because that team because is stacked. And I don't understand it. They have two players that are in the top 10 for points in uh, Joshua Waugh and Lias Anderson, both of whom who are more than a point per game. Joshua has 12 points in seven games as a rookie. Um, and that's not even counting, you know, all of the other guys that they have. Sean Farrell, Riley Kidney, like Xavier Simoneau, William Trudeau, who is one of the best young defensemen in the AHL right now. Um, you know, Nicholas Bodan. They've got so many good players and I don't understand. And they've been so good historically, too. They've been a very good team historically in the last mm-hmm. few years. I, I, 
I mean, not every year. Were they, I'll, though? Were they, though? They've been powerful. I wouldn't say... Okay. I, I, maybe not necessarily good, but definitely powerful. Definitely a team to be reckoned with, for sure. They've, yeah, they're not like a... They're not a 1-5 and 1 team, in my no. opinion. And, and it, it's very bizarre. Unfortunately, though, their style of play, though, it's like they rely too much on one or two guys to do all of the scoring. And if that guy has an off night or if the other team clues in on that, like, okay, we got to go and cover these two guys, double team these two guys. And then the other guys aren't used to scoring. So, yeah, I honestly think it's a systems and team makeup issue there. I have some thoughts on the central I want to interject here, too. Another team to look at is the Manitoba Moose. I feel like they've come out of nowhere this year with a four and two record, and they've got some pretty good people on their team too. They've got two rookies in there with nine points and eight points in Brad Lambert and Nikita Chibrikov. So there's something there's somewhere to keep an eye on in the Central as well. Yeah, Brad Lambert is one of my favorite prospects from that draft year. I don't understand how he fell to I think thirty. 30th overall. Um, he's going to tear the AHL apart. It's going to be real fun to watch. Um, I want to move on, though. Um, I want to talk about... The, so the A... We have our three stars that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, the AHL does their own, like, player of the week. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get into that because he came up as, like, in part of our discussions, but didn't ultimately get named as one of our three stars. So I want to talk about Raphael Lavoie of the Bakersfield Condors, but he he has been on a real good tear recently. Um, he is not on my sheet. <laughs> it's fine. Um, of course not. No, why would he be? Uh, he, he has seven points in five games, four goals, three assists, and I believe the bulk of those came this weekend. Uh, so in the past three games, he has six points. Uh, four goals, two assists. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good little stretch. Uh, I don't know if it's player of the week good, though, so I'm wondering if, if you guys have some thoughts on, on Lavoie. I think what got him, or basically put Lavoie over the edge for everyone else, is that, okay, on top of just the goals and assists, all right, he... Scored twice on the power play this last Tuesday, so like a week ago, uh, yesterday as we're recording. Um, scored twice on the power play, helping them to come from behind to defeat Henderson. Then he had game-high eight shots on goal, assisted on the game-winning goal against uh, a victory on Tucson, then scored again twice more, earned earned an assist on the game-winning toll. It's that contribution towards the game winners or the come-from-behinds that like, that the league, it's I think, really clutch, looked into. It? It, yeah. is, it is clutch, 100% clutch. I think that's what put him over the top. Well-earned. I think the league got this one right. I will, I will say that, that I think they got it right if you're talking about clutch standpoint. If you're talking about like fan-favorite, AHL Player of the Week, I wouldn't necessarily put him in there unless you are a Bakersfield Condors fan. I know it's a bit of a hot take. I can see your luck there, Dina. <laughs> but I, 
I will say that when you're looking at player of the week, you do have to look at that clutch factor. You do look have to look at the guy who's contributing to all aspects of the game, not just, oh, well, this guy scored five goals this week, or this guy scored seven goals, or he had seven assists, and he only had two penalty minutes, and he was had a plus four rating. You got to look at the guy who really contributes to how the team wins and not just how he contributes to his own game. So yes, I do agree. The league got this one right. I thought you were going to go into this whole thing about, no, this other person deserved it because <laughs> they're more well-known and we're trying know, to grow that's, the that's game. And I, I, um, I was about to have a whole TED Talk on this. No, no, there's but nothing I can stand you. more than someone winning Player of the Week for a popularity contest. That That's not, that's not what I'm about. I, I hate popularity. Oh, look, he's the Player of the Week because I know who he is. Uh, no, that's that's not why. I mean, that's what I love about, you know, these types of awards, too, is you get players that aren't popular named to, to, to this. You get some teams that maybe aren't as well covered or aren't as well known. And it gets it gets discussion going. It gets people looking these teams up. I love it. You, you get the whole people saying, who? Who? And. That's that's the that's what I think the point of this league is. You get the publicity for the people, the players. They're like, I, I don't know who that is. And then you get down to February All Star time. You're like, oh, he was the player of the week five times this year. I get you. Before we move on, talk about some some of our stars of the week. Uh, Dina, I believe you want to talk about some Hall of Fame inductees because the AHL list just came out uh, at the start of this week, I believe. Yeah, so actually October 31st, the list came out and the American Hockey League has announced the four inductees that have been selected for the 2024 class for the American Hockey League Hall of Fame. Now honored by the AHL Hall of Fame Selection Committee as the latest group of enshrinees are Dennis Bonvi, Jordy Clark, Gary Amen, and Roy Summer. Now these are players that have... You know, we still have some involved in the game, um, but some of these really go back. You know, Dennis Bonvi played 871 games over 15 seasons in the American Hockey League, starting his career with the Cape Breton Oilers in 1993, was part of the All-Star Game in 1995, stopped in Hamilton, Portland, Philadelphia, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and then helped that team in 2001 reach the Calder Cup Finals. Also having stops in Providence, Binghamton, and Hershey before returning back to Wilkes-Barre, where he retired in 2008. Jordy Clark, nine-year playing career, mainly in the AHL with Rochester, Springfield, and Maine. Who remembers them? That's that's a little bit ago. Uh, the good old Maine Mariners helped guide them to a Calder Cup championship in the 1978-79 season. Led the league in 79-80 with 47 goals and set career highs with 50 goals and 101 points in 1981-82 uh, before he retired in 1983. Jerry Amen, just a prolific scorer back in the 50s and 60s. 19 seasons of professional hockey, nearly 1,100 games split between the AHL and NHL. 
his early AHL years spent in St. Louis, Springfield, and Hershey, but he is best known uh, for his seven seasons with the Rochester Americans, including six 30-goal performances, league-scoring title, two Calder Cup championships. Now, unfortunately, um, he is no longer with us, so this is a posthumous award. Uh, Roy Summer, winning this coach in American Hockey League history, finally getting his place in the AHL Hall of Fame. 24 years of the coach of the San Jose Sharks affiliates in Kentucky, Cleveland, Worcester, and sorry, Worcester and <laughs> San Jose. I think Xander was about to <laughs> stop me there. Uh, yeah, Worcester and San Jose before guiding the goals uh, in 2022 23. Saw more than 150 of his players graduate to the NHL. Won 828 games. Just a amazing class. Um, if you're interested in going into or going to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony that will be taking place as part of the festivities at the 2024 AHL All-Star Classic presented by Tech CU, which is being held by the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, that induction and award ceremony scheduled for February 5th. More details to follow. So congratulations to all of the inductees and their families. I'll be looking forward to seeing that happen live out in San Jose here in a few months. I want to give one last shout out to uh, Roy Sommer, who uh, was a native of Oakland, California, uh, before moving to Calgary at, uh, as I believe a 18 year old. Um, just really cool to see someone from not a stereotypical hockey place, especially, you know, at that time where I believe, you know, the, I believe the California Golden Seals still existed when he left, um, San Francisco. So it's been a, it's been a minute. And I just like it when you get people who succeed in this sport despite being from like non-traditional hockey areas. So born in, born and raised in kind of Oakland, which is just outside San Francisco, um, became the winningest born, uh, the winningest AHL coach of all time. And now I believe is coaching in the WHL for the, uh, former Winnipeg Ice, now Wenatchee Wild, which is really cool. And not to mention Roy Summer, just such a down to earth person as well. You, you wouldn't know that he was the most the winningest coach in AHL history. Just he, you talk to him like any other person. He'll talk to you about anything and everything. Talk about the game. Talk to you about just your life. Great guy. Yeah, we are big Roy Summer fans on on this podcast specifically. Um, shall we talk about our three stars of the week? Because sure. I have sure, some let's thoughts. Get there. Um, I'll go ahead and give my choice first, which, again, am I biased? Maybe. But Daniil Gushin had two goals and three assists in his last two games. Um, the San Jose Barracuda only scored six goals total, so he was involved in five out of their six goals this weekend. Um, he hasn't scored a ton. I think he's only got three goals on the season so far, but he's currently second in league points. He's on a four-game stretch of multi-point games. Um, and he's just really, really impressing me. Uh, and I think scoring on literally, what, 65%, 70% of your team's goals 
Uh, oh no, it would be way more than that. Like 85% of your team's goals, I think, deserves a star of the week, in my opinion. Um, Dino, why don't you go ahead and go next? So I'm going for a little bit of a deep cut here with mine. And I have for my star of the week, I am going with Ryan Winterton, a rookie out of Coachella Valley, who in his last two games have two goals and two assists. But overall, he is just he's just being solid for that Firebirds team in six games. He has five points. Three of them are goals. He is a plus five, which you know, considering how Coachella struggled to get out the gate is fantastic. He's got a shorthanded goal. And also on top of that, he um, is not really putting his team in any bad situation. Zero penalty minutes. Point that is rare. Yeah. That is rare yeah. in the channel. Especially it for is. a rookie too. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, him and Logan Morrison both have zero penalty minutes and both have played six games for Coachella Valley. So nice, stable uh, presence there on the forward line, uh, lines for Ryan Winterton. So I decided to give him my star. My star this week, I'm going away from the Atlantic Division. I'm going away from the Eastern Conference. I'm going with Arshdeep Baines from the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, he's had some impressive numbers this year. Um, he's most impressive to me is not necessarily this weekend. It's his season overall. He's had two games where he hasn't had a point where he hasn't had a point. And keep in mind, he's played in nine games and this weekend and his last few games alone, keep, he's had eight points. Six of those are goals. And that's as of tonight. Um, he's has a plus six. Let's see, a plus six rating, 14 penalty minutes, so maybe not the most disciplined in the world, but 15 points this season. So nothing to sneeze at. No, he is... Uh, I was surprised by him. Um, but yeah, he's he's having a real good start to the season. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to uh, Adam Gaudet, who had four goals. In his last three games uh, from Springfield, he currently has 11 points in eight games. Um, but apart from Godet, I realized that we accidentally did like an all Pacific three stars of the week, uh, which was not my intention. But I'm not mad about it because I feel like the West Coast never gets the love that it that, you know, the rest of the league gets just because it's so far away. Um, let's move on. Um not to mention, Gaudet started the season with points in every single game, except for Sunday. Yeah. He's not long for Springfield, let's just put it that way. No, he's going to be he's gonna be in St. Louis before long, I think, which is super exciting for him, I think. Uh, and I will be very interested to see how he does when he takes a step up, because it feels a little bit like he's playing on easy mode at the minute. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but... I am interested to see how how it goes. Um, I want to move on, and I want to talk a little bit today about player safety. Um, we talked about it a little bit in the in the start there with with the Adam Johnson um, news, but there are players out there that have started wearing uh, throat throat guards, uh, neck guards. Um, over here in the UK, it's going to be mandated as of uh, December thirty first, I believe. Um, I think this is a good thing. 
Um, I hate that it had to come from something so awful, but I have kind of long been a, a proponent of more players should wear neck guards, they should wear wrist guards. Um, I know a lot of them wear, they have these like socks that protect the Achilles tendon, clearly not well enough because, you know, players still kind of get sliced there sometimes. Um, I'm also, and this is probably a hot take, but I'm also a big proponent of no more half visors. I think full full visor or cage, um, which the which the hockey players will not like, but uh, that's just that's just how I feel. Um, it just I don't know. It, it's it's such an intensely frustrating thing because I know exactly what the arguments against it are, and it's oh it's uncomfortable, and we don't like wearing them, and we feel like we can't breathe, and like I've been there as well you know i i play uh beer league um i hate wearing throat protection it does feel like i can't breathe but i wear it anyway because i've taken a puck to the throat before and it sucks so i think it's it's i hate that i had to come out of something like this but i do think that this will ultimately be a good thing a good move for the sport uh, i saw earlier um some of the providence bruins wore them um some of the Winnipeg Jets players in the NHL have been wearing them as well. And there were a, there've been a couple other teams out in North America that have been wearing, like a couple of them have been wearing and hopefully it kind of takes over. Cause I do think this is a really, really important thing in I, the sport right now. I want to shout out specifically those Providence Bruins players. Cause it was literally the day after mm-hmm. the news Agreed. broke. I can't remember the third person, but I know it was John Farinacci and Fabian Lysol. And there was one other one that had that um it was basically almost like the kevlar clothing mm-hmm. um just it's just the, it's and, the kind of the neck guards that yeah. the, the, little, the little kids wear in, so in it would look kind of yeah. like similar to the turtleneck that i'm wearing now just like the black turtleneck only with way more technology <laughs> involved in it um i just want to say kudos to them first because they they did it before anybody else started mentioning this. And then massive kudos to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization that if I believe, if I'm remembering this right, have mandated it for their AHL and ECHL affiliates. Yes. Um, but what I'm really loving, though, is some of the answers to uh, the question of where can we get this? Who has the technology is coming from within the National Hockey League and TJ Oshie. So TJ Oshie is part of a clothing brand called War Road, um, which is, of course, named after the, where he grew up in 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 War Road. And they already sell items like this with um, with that clothing. So, I mean, who better to design and kind of be the face of that uh, type of clothing than a professional hockey player. It is frustrating that so he owns this um, this 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 clothing brand. He doesn't wear the protection though because he doesn't like he wearing doesn't? them. No, and that's Wait, what's so frustrating no. here. Is there are a lot of players that are like, "Yeah, that's we agree, terrible. this is totally a thing." I'm not going to wear it, though, because I don't like wearing it. And I'm like, wait, okay, wait, wait, well... Wait, 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 That sounds um, hypocritical to me. Exactly. So, I, just, I, like, I, I appreciate that he's doing it. And I know that there are a lot of... I know um, I just saw a tweet about uh, uh, the Rochester Americans. Uh, have The team has ordered additional net guards along with the base layer um, net shirt, net guard combination. Uh, some players are wearing them. Perfect. I know there was another AHL or potentially ECHL team. I can't remember the. I can't remember who basically bought 
net guards for everyone on the team, and then the team was like, we don't want to wear these yet. So it's it's moving slowly. I think the more players that wear them, the more will follow, because that's kind of how this league is and how this sport is, is that, you know, someone else has to be first, and then people will slowly start to adopt it. But I don't know how this is even a conversation that we need to have, you know? I I mean, it was it's like when they first introduced the throat guards for the goalies, like, nobody wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But everyone said, nah, I'm not going to do it. But then Clint Malarchuk happened and they said, mm, okay, and they were probably like, Actually, a yeah. good idea. Um, I do want to say, as of the time of recording this, it has just been announced. Um, where is it? The WHL, so Major Junior, has made net guards mandatory for all of their just players. Saw that. It's great to see because they're children. Um, you know, and so I just wish that I wish everywhere would mandate it. It's the same thing as people People argued about visors. And they were like, no, I'm not wearing a visor. I don't like it. I can't see properly. And now everyone wears it, apart from like four guys who are too stubborn and stupid. Well, to... It's also, I want to take it back to like the early days too. It's like, oh, well, you should wear a helmet. At the, like, Take it all the way back to that. And right. then some guys were like, well, I'll wear a helmet. Oh, no, I won't. And then now it's mandatory. And then the visors, like you said. And I think, well... If the guys in college are wearing the full bowl or they're wearing the full cage, why not just take it up and up another level when you're playing in the pros? Like you're already used to wearing it. Or if you're playing in juniors, you're already wearing the full cage. Why not just just do it? Like if you do it when you get hurt, why not just continue it so you don't get hurt again? Exactly. I do wanna I just did a quick Google. Um a player was wearing was not wearing a helmet in nineteen ninety seven. The really? good old grandfather rule. Yep. He was grandfathered in. It was Craig McTavish. And as, oh. as late as 1997, he was not wearing a helmet. And that stressed me out. I hate I hate that I Googled that. It was Ugh. made mandatory for all players who joined the league after 1979, I believe. But the older players were like, no, we don't want to wear a helmet. So we're not going to right up until 1997, which seems fully insane to me. Um, but especially with how fast they shoot the puck. Exactly. And like it was yeah. the '90s, it was it was a weird era, but also put a helmet on. It's not okay. that difficult. They let it, letting the rookies go out for their rookie lap without helmets on, or like their first warm ups without helmets on. I hate that. I hate when they don't wear helmets in warm ups. It stresses like me out. The people and... have been in the league for a long time and they're not wearing helmets out there. I'm like. And now people are like, yeah, I'm just going to go. I'm 18. I'm going to go out without a, hel- without a helmet. Oh, yeah, I'll pay the $2,000 th- $2, fine or whatever. Um, we should move on because otherwise this will be the entire episode of me <laughs> complaining about how hockey players don't seem to want to protect themselves and no one seems willing to mandate it. Honestly, I do want to say, I just want to kind of like circle back a little bit. Um, I'm seeing also coming out that Gary Bettman has said it could take the league decades to mandate neck guards. Gary um, Bettman doesn't believe that concussions exist. And I just want to say <sighs> massive kudos to the EIHL, to the WHL, to organizations that are mandating it now because you are proving that change can literally happen overnight within days. I don't think we need to have another incident like this even come close to happening. This needs to happen now. We only have one life. And the more we can protect that, so we can be there in days, years, decades to come for our loved ones, 
the better we all are to adopt those. So kudos to those leagues, kudos to those players, to those teams, and to the companies for having these items available. And um, again, I'm going to link stuff down, uh, some resources down below, because just trying to do a Twitter search, X search, whatever, for the term net guards, there's some stuff that pops up that is utterly disgusting so please mm-hmm. everybody protect your sanity while you're doing this as well because some of the stuff that's being shared and talked about utterly disgusting it's not it's not great no um, it's not make again. sure you put the word hockey before it that might oh that's you. that's that's not going to help no this is um, no okay i tried <laughs> again i know, there's no I real know. good way to kind of segue out of this section but, no it's um, so hard we're gonna move on <laughs> Before we move to our next segment, I do have some more to share about our sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? Because as businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supportive. Document Doctors is a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, and they offer affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much, much more. So support the podcast and support AHL News now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when you're talking to their team of contentologists. Make sure you shop and support small businesses today. Once again, that is documentdoctorsllc.com. Now, Dina, we're going to talk about the Grand Rapids Griffins, I believe. Yes, we're going to talk about the good old Griffins from Grand Rapids, Michigan, not Grand Rapids, Ohio. If you know, you know, Jonathan Berggren. Anyway, if you don't know, that's a whole other segment I can go into. Awesome story from, uh, what was it, last season or two seasons ago? It was his rookie season. Anyway, um, so I obviously cover the Cleveland Monsters, and I sat down to watch the matchup between those two teams over this past weekend in Grand Rapids. Um, I have seen my fair share of Grand Rapids Griffins games over the years, and I noticed a trend over the years with Grand Rapids, and that is multi-goal or otherwise super late comebacks to either tie the game and force OT or to take the game out Right. So I decided to go down the rabbit hole and look through the results of last season and this current one to see how basically was I right? You know, I, I hypothesized something. I needed to gather my evidence. So this happened between basically last season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times last season. Okay, listen to how this all shook out. I was fascinated. Like, I thought this was a thing. Uh, yeah, this is insane. So, okay, it started November 4th of last year versus Iowa. Taro Hirose scores at 15-13 of the third, tie the game. Jonathan Berggren in OT, 5-4 to four Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Uh, November 11th, 2022 against Toronto. Green Rapids had a three goal third period with two by Pontus Andreas and to tie the game at four minute of four of OT cross cross Hannes snipes it wins Pontus Andreas with the assist. Uh, the day later, also against Toronto cross Hannes scores at 1950 of regulation to tie fell in O3 OT three to two. 
Noticing a trend here, 12-9 versus Springfield. The game was one nothing Springfield until Alex Chiasen tallied a goal at 16-55, then 56 seconds into OT. Jared McIsaac won for Grand Rapids. Later that month, on the 22nd against Chicago. Okay, listen to this. At a minute 18 of the third, Chicago scores to go up 7-4. to four. Grand Rapids went on to score three goals, including the tying goal at 18.59 by Joel Esperance on the power play. Then Austin Zarnick of Grand Rapids gets the game-winning goal 16 seconds into OT. That was the Griffins' first four-goal comeback in franchise history. Little tidbit for you. Uh, moving into the new year, January 7th against Texas, two-goal third with the last coming at 18.07 by Taro Hirose. Uh, they ultimately fell in a shootout March 24th against Iowa. Pontus Andreasen once again scores at 19.55, almost literally last second to tie the game at three. Then uh, Danny O'Regan, Joel Esperance scoring in the shootout to win. Um, April 6th against Manitoba, four goals once again in the third. Take the Griffins from a two to one deficit to a five to two win. The final one came at 1816 from Carter Mazur. And then in the 2023 season, the one that made me go down this rabbit hole and look at literally all the results from all of their 72 ish games from last season 1027 versus Cleveland. Grand Rapids, or sorry, uh, they had two goals from Simon Edvinson and Tim Gettinger at 16.56 and 19.33 to force overtime against the Monsters, which Grand Rapids ultimately fell uh, at 46 seconds of OT, thanks to one of the weirdest penalty calls I've ever seen in my life. Um, but for last shout season, yeah, well, maybe not. If you're a Cleveland fan, shout out to Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids fans. If you're a Grand Rapids player, not so shout out to your fans. Um, but for last season, Grand Rapids was 15, 4, 4, and 4 for a 704 points percentage in games decided by one goal and six and four in overtime contests. In comparison, the Griffins were just 13, 32, 0, and 0 a 289 points percentage in games decided by two or more tallies. So what can we learn from all of this? This team, no matter what season it is, they don't go, they just don't go away. So you have to watch out in the third. You especially have to watch out if you take penalties in the third against the Griffins. This is your free courtesy Grand Rapids scouting report from AHL News Now. <laughs> <laughs> or you also got to watch out for if they pull the goalie. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. yeah it's I, don't know, I don't know how you're yeah. scoring with 30 seconds left or 10 seconds left in the game if you don't have six tabs on the ice. I um, didn't go that far into it, but that's a safe assumption. <laughs> yeah, especially this one in 20, uh, March 24th. Uh, Pontus Andreasen scoring at 1955. Like, yes. Yeah. That's devastating. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you think you have the win, you've got five seconds left, and then, nope, Grand Rapids. Some teams just like to, some teams, so there's a, a statistician for the NHL that I really like called Micah McCurdy, um, and he does a graph, and one oh, of the quadrants the on the graph is, we may win, but I may die. And I feel like that, <laughs> that's just how Grand Rapids plays every single game, is like, I might, we might win the game, but at the cost of, like, my blood pressure, you know? 
that's that's how I feel when I'm running my game stories. I'll have everything all set, and then something screws up my lead. I yeah, you got to think for the Grand Rapids beat reporters who have all of their stories filed, and then nope, just just gonna nope. just gonna tear that up, throw it away. So can I share a quick fun story about uh, Michael McCurdy? Yes, please. So a few seasons ago, the Blue Jackets. Um, held an analytics conference Mm -hmm. um and i went to that and so he lives up in canada and he had the worst time trying to get down to columbus there were all these travel delays he had to end up running a car i think so we keep like the presenters it was allison lucan that was running the the she was basically the mc and we keep delaying, delaying, delaying. And then all of a sudden, this force of nature walks in wearing a tiara. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Micah. It was Blake Micah McCurdy. And he just floats up to the stage and gives his presentation. It was, first of all, extremely informative. Mm-hmm. But it was so entertaining. Like, if you ever get a chance to go to an analytics conference that he will be presenting at, Go. It is worth the price of admission just for that. But now, you know, any so now anytime that like my husband goes to point out a tweet or something that he said, we always just say, oh, the tiara said this. So (laughs) anyway, but can we just discuss real quick about that (laughs) that penalty? (laughs) If for those of you just that don't know um so after that last that game tying goal um against uh cleveland so i'm sure a lot of fans know about chuckapuck or in grand Grand rapids case it's called throw for dough so you get like those foam pucks that you put your information on or you give your information and they have like the numbers you know so they know if you win and then after the game you throw them on the ice to try to get on the bullseye well, some fans decided it would be a good idea. Uh, it came out that it was like nine fans, but it was several dozen pucks that after their team tied it to start throwing the pucks onto the ice. They were warned. There was a, a PA announcement. Pucks still kept coming. Grand Rapids gets hit with a bench miner for uh, – bystanders or spectators throwing items onto the ice. And that was the penalty that led to the overtime power play goal by Cleveland. What a bizarre way to go down. I suspect what will happen is that now they will do chuck a puck, not at the end of the game, because they need the fans to not have those pucks. Um second intermission entertainment yeah it was it was a real dumb move from the fans because those pucks like you can track who bought those pucks you know mm-hmm. and i suspect they will not be going to a grand rapids game i think i heard they were suspended or banned mm-hmm. from going to the arena as well i wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised but also, let's add another layer to this. It was $2 beer and brats, or beer and dogs night. So it was a... a uh, they were well lubricated, I guess. Yep. <laughs> well hydrated. What's <laughs> uh, happening in Grand Rapids? We may win, but I may die. I stand by it. 
Um, uh, it may not be sad. from blood pressure from the game. It may be blood no. pressure from the food. So, oh, well, yeah, that's Xander, good. I believe you want to talk about snow. Yes. <laughs> it's November 1st, and we have snow in Massachusetts. And with that said, I think that the AHL is selling itself short by not having enough outdoor games. And as as you know, as fans of hockey, there are, what, three outdoor games on a typical year, and then years with the Heritage Classic, there are four. And I think that with the AHL, they need to expand their market, maybe have more outdoor games than just the occasional outdoor classic for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives teams that aren't covered as much more exposure. So, for example, maybe it's not exactly the most ideal market for an outdoor game, but maybe the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Again, like I said, not the most ideal market for an outdoor game, but if they're playing a team like Manitoba or something like that, it gives them an opportunity to play outdoors. What it also does for the team and the league is it introduces more fans to the game, It and it can also bring in more money for them to have more games like this. I've been to three outdoor games myself, and as a fan, they are a blast. From the pregame activities, and just from watching the product on the ice, it's bringing hockey back to its roots from the ponds in Canada, and it's just its so fun to watch the guys battling the elements. Too much sun, snow, cold. You freeze your butt off of the game, but it's well worth it. The sun... I have thoughts about the sun anyway. That's just my thoughts. I love an outdoor game, personally speaking. I think it's a lot of fun. Is it kind of cheesy? Yes. I think it's kind of overdone in the NHL where they have like six of them a season. I think they should be a real special occasion. Um, But I think they're a lot of fun. I've been to one in Minnesota and loved it and would definitely go back. Um... Being a person that covers the Blue Jackets, outdoor games are kind of a touchy touchy thing around here because OSU won't let us use any of their buildings because apparently it's not suitable for winter or something. But I am I am on the I am on team more AHL outdoor games, I think. I think that would be a lot of fun. And like you said, it gives more publicity to more teams. And like a rivalry game is always fun as well. Like, I really like that Cleveland did the Wilkes Bros. Grand Penguins for theirs. Um, I would love to see, like, Laval and Belleville or Laval and oh. Toronto play. Um, I think there might be some on ice, like, open air murder there. Um, uh, Rockford and Chicago. Like, they've, they've, they've even done outdoor games in California. You know, you could do Ontario and San Diego, give them an outdoor game. It would be. A ton of fun, I think. More rivalry outdoor games is my is the platform that I'm running on. I want to see Laval and Belleville or Toronto Laval, Toronto Belleville. Any of those three teams, any iteration of that in an outdoor game. That would be so good. I would go to Canada for for that game. 
just as long as it's not minus 40, like it was in Laval for the All-Star Classic <laughs> last season, I would go to Laval or to Canada for that game. I mean, first of all, that's the ideal place to have it. You know, you're not going to be running into the weirdly warm, sunny Ohio day like they had last year. I still have many, many thoughts about that. Um, but it's like you have the passionate fan base, especially if you involve Laval. Um, the weather will probably work out in your favor in terms of temperatures. And I would like to see them try two in a season. At, at least two. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to work our way up. So getting back to having outdoor classics is good. Let's see if we can't try two. And then we can go from there. Maybe maybe try like one in one conference, one in the other. Or okay, maybe yeah. one in one division, one in the other. Yeah. I mean, like this year I'm, they have Charlotte and Rochester. Obviously, that's an interconference or an interdivision game, but why not try maybe a central and a north opponent? Milwaukee and, I don't know, Milwaukee and Utica. Just throwing it out there. That's an interesting combination. It's, We're just it's throwing a, it out it's there. A random, it's a random one I'm throwing out there, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, let's try it. Why not? What do you have to lose? Uh, a five-hour sun delay? Well, hypothetically, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Hy- hypothetically, a six-hour, seven-hour sun delay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the danger. With these That's things, the, like the I like that hockey is an indoor sport because it's not weather reliant. But I also love the concept of an outdoor game. I think it's a lot of fun. They are so much fun. I mean, they're fun to go to as a fan too. Not even just mm-hmm. to cover. Yeah, one hundred percent. I need I think- to go as a fan yet. <laughs> oh. I think that's kind of all we have for today. That'll do it for this week's edition of Calder's Calling. If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the AHL, please check us out online at ahlnewsnow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ahlnewsnow. Please also subscribe, rate our podcast, share it with your friends, family, co-workers. Uh, we'd like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. Uh, until next week, enjoy the upcoming week of AHL Play. We will see you all next Wednesday.